Hello and welcome to Silence, a podcast that gives women in science, technology, engineering and maths an opportunity to be honest and open about what it's really like working in these typically male-dominated subjects. Each week, one woman shares her stories and experiences. She could be a public figure, the girl next door, or someone from a far-off land. The point is she'll be deliberately kept anonymous and disguised to ensure that we're not distracted by the details of her achievements, her labels, or what she looks like. I'm Dr. Shanice O'Mara, also a woman in STEM. I studied mechanical engineering and ended up as a television broadcaster. I've worked on and reported on some cutting edge technology and innovation over the years. And through my TV work, I've met some incredible women from a diverse range of STEM fields. And you know what? I've been more amazed about what I've learned from these women when the cameras have been turned off and they're just being themselves. These women have amazingly impressive CVs, but most importantly, they're human just like the rest of us. And it's that off-air honesty that I'd love to share with you through silence. It's my hope that you really relate to what's shared with you today and that you're as inspired and supported and comforted as I always am when I chat with my amazing guests. If so, please do subscribe to Silence and maybe even leave some comments and reviews. I'd love to have your feedback. This week, my guest is in the field of aviation. Hi. Hi, thank you for having me. Ah, oh, thanks for coming on the show. I know that you've got a really sort of busy schedule flying about, seeing as you're in aviation. Um, what is life like? Are you ever on the ground for long periods? <laughs> uh, what is life like? Um, it depends on my rostering, basically. In the summer, it, it gets really busy and um, I could be, depending on um, what kind of flights I'm doing, flying up to five or six days every day um, depending on the destination so I guess if I'm flying to Europe I'll usually fly there and have a turnaround and then come back so I'll be back the same night Um, oh really yeah so that does get a bit tiring um, after day five or six I was gonna say on the longer haul stuff um, you, you get to spend a few days down route so that's a bit nicer does someone go into aviation because they love traveling and seeing places or because they literally love uh, being in charge of a, an amazing piece of mechanical engineering? Um, I think there's a lot of reasons why people go into aviation. Um, for me, I guess um, it stemmed from a dream of wanting to go into space. So from a young age, I was interested in space travel. And I guess. Uh, Flying was uh, a similar kind of role in the sense of mm. you pilot a spacecraft, you pilot an aircraft, um, and that's one of the jobs astronauts do. So um, I think it stemmed from there, and I really loved traveling and going on holiday. And I saw the role of a pilot of obviously, you are in charge of um, a really big piece of machinery which goes really fast, but also it takes people around the world. So I found that really exciting. and and you were in charge of helping people get to destinations and having a lovely holiday and meeting up with the people that they care about on other sides of the world. And I just thought that was amazing. Mm, yeah. So was this a, a an early childhood dream that you've, you know, put all your efforts into realising or did this dream sort of pop into your head later on? Uh, yeah, so from a young age, I dreamt of being an astronaut. My um, my dad actually bought me some space food um, and 
from a talk by Helen Sharman. So I was really interested into what this food was. And then that's when I kind of had the realisation that people went into space and ate uh, that, that kind of food. And I guess that led me on to doing a project about astronauts for school. I was, I was still quite young then, about 10 years old. Right. Um, yeah. And that's when I really learned about people going into space and what they did up there and the experiments they did and using the bathroom, which I found very interesting at the time. Um, <laughs> and then um, from there, I decided that was that was my dream job. I wanted to be an astronaut. I wanted to travel into space and explore and just see the Earth from a different perspective. And I mm. guess uh, that kind of has transpired into my current role. I do see the Earth from a different view. I'm yeah. very lucky for the view I do get. Yeah, amazing. And... In order to fulfil your dream, did you have to focus all your energy on STEM subjects? Actual path to being a pilot, um, you need GCSEs actually, which are um, kind of high school kind of qualifications. But because my dream was to be an astronaut, I decided to go to university and study uh, astrophysics. So I actually did a master's degree in astrophysics. Um, because I wanted to be a scientific astronaut. And then um, when I finished that degree, I tried to look into what other kind of roles there were that astronauts had, and it was being an ast- um, a scientist or a pilot. So I thought, okay, I'll, I'll become a pilot, and that will um, increase my chances of being an astronaut. Um, and I looked into a few different ways of um, pursuing this. So I looked in the military option, looked at self-funding, I looked at trying to get sponsorships, because um, being uh, astronaut, I keep saying astronaut instead of pilot now, you're getting confused for myself, pilot training is quite expensive, mm. so I didn't think that um, I would be able to personally afford it, so um, right. I, I did look into the other routes, and um, I did some bizarre stuff trying to raise the funding for it, like uh, car boot sales and releasing helium balloons asking people to sponsor me um i entered to competitions and scholarships and stuff and i never obviously got that far to win so it got to a point that i ended up realizing i was getting older and i needed to kind of set the wheels in motion and that's when i started trying to save towards the deposit uh of the pilot training right okay so you're saying that the initial dream was to become an astronaut yeah but then and and you got qualified in astrophysics to try and get closer to that dream um and then it was kind of like a choice do you go down the science route or do you go down the actual flying machines route and so you took the flying machines route um (laughs) and realized it was really expensive so you started raising the funds for it is that yeah yeah so I actually kind of followed a a separate career path for a little bit whilst I tried to save the money uh, to become a pilot. Okay. What was that? Uh, that was actually uh, into the security industry. So um, I had some close friends that were close protection operatives, which were bodyguards, mm-hmm. um, and they noticed that there wasn't that many women uh, or female bodyguards around. So I went into the female close protection kind of sector Um, and and I did that because uh, whilst I was at university I joined the officers training corps which is the equivalent of the territorial army 
Mm-hmm. So I learned all my weapons handling. But I also had a interest in uh, Thai boxing. So, <laughs> so all of those would set me up for a future career in as a bodyguard, which I didn't realize at the time. So I'm very lucky that that happened. Uh, yeah. And then, yeah, I worked as a bodyguard for a number of years, and that kind of helped me raise the funds. But I also worked a lot of long shift work too, as in normal security, and basically saved as much as I could, how I could. So if I had to walk or skateboard, I would do that instead of taking the bus. And I stayed at a lot of friends' houses just to be closer to the areas I needed to work. So it was a lot of joint effort. Gosh, and so the the ultimate goal was to become a pilot um, as, like, your your sort of stable career, even though the ultimate, ultimate dream was to become an astronaut. <laughs> yes. So now that you are a pilot, where are you with the astronaut dream? Um, so now that I'm a pilot, I'm I'm kind of looking into. I'd like to gain more responsibility and more experience first on a, on a few different types of aircraft, mm. and I'm looking towards maybe commercial space travel in the future. That's kind of where my right my yeah ambitions have kind of turned towards. Mm. And that's so possible, isn't it, in today's world? Like, we are tending in that direction of commercial space flight. Um, so I can actually, like, I can see your dream being realistic. Yeah, I think um, anything's realistic if you keep working towards it and uh, keep dreaming bigger, don't get distracted from the dream. So mm. uh, I think it is possible. I just need to kind of, like, I've I've had a few... Um, the thing with the airline industry is it's slightly unstable. So there has been a, a number of airlines that I've worked for that have uh, gone into administration. So um, that hasn't helped things because that, that has made me unemployed and then I've had to try and uh, work to get a new job. And then there's the whole training when you with a new company and getting back onto line and stuff. Mm. So, um, yeah, I'm working now towards... Um, a different company so I'll be working and getting a lot of hours and a lot of experience in which I'm really excited about and then hopefully from there I'll progress into becoming a captain and uh, with my new skills and the new aircraft I can hopefully transfer them to another another company which is involved in space travel um, and by then I don't really know. <laughs> So, I mean, it sounds very, I mean, I don't know whether you believe this or not, but it sounds very focused. Yeah, I think I've always been uh, quite focused on what I want. I'm I'm quite stubborn like that. If I know I want to achieve something, I'll work towards it. And was um, your dream of becoming an astronaut purely uh, for the love of it or were there other things you were trying to prove? I think I think there was a mixture of stuff. So, um at school, I got bullied quite a lot about, um, well, for number one, saying I'd want to be an astronaut, but also I did say that I would like to be a pilot if I wasn't an astronaut. And I did get a lot of bullying from both the students and from some of my teachers in secondary school um, growing up, where they said it was a, a man's job. Yeah. And and why, first of all, is it a man's job? No, it's definitely not because anyone can do it. If if I'm in it, it's definitely not a man's job. There is a a lot larger proportion of men to women in aviation. So at the moment, there's only about four to six percent of all UK 
airline pilots are women. Wow, that's really and that translates to um I think four and a half percent of all American airline pilots are women. It's incredible. Yeah, it's even worse than mechanical engineering that was nine percent. Wow. You know, you, you clearly had a dream to do something that is and was male dominated. Um, what made you push through uh, that stereotype boundary? I think well, so. I think from a from secondary school, or uh, when I did get told that was a man's job, I thought, well, that was incredibly sexist. So I thought, oh, I I can still do it. I'm not going to let someone tell me what I can do and what I can achieve in mm. my life. I'll just have to work hard. And I think I had very um, supportive parents who really motivated me. They they said, like, they knew the value of education and they basically encouraged me and said, if you really want to go for something, you need to work hard and put in the effort and get the qualifications and you can do anything that you mm. set your heart to. So um, I feel like because I had supportive parents at home, that kind of helped. But also because I was quite strong-minded and I wanted to prove everyone wrong that I could do something that they said I couldn't I guess uh, that really helped me and also maybe the bullies in a sense that I got put down for so long and I got beat up and I got harassed I just think it, I think I wanted to kind of prove to um, everyone that I wasn't going to let anyone mm, stop me yeah I think there is kind of a motivation with I've noticed that there is a trend with people that have been bullied or picked on at school they seem to kind of push themselves to aspire to something greater than the than the original bullies Mm, definitely it kind of gives you more drive um like a really sort of primal drive to like not let them be right so apart from your parents being really supportive like what else like who else was in your corner was there anyone else in your corner I, th- you know, I think it was mainly my parents at the time. They they managed to take me to like the Kennedy Space Center and stuff. So I think visiting NASA and um, like Cape Canaveral and stuff that really helped inspire me. And then I went to college um, and I I made a great bunch of friends. So from being in a place where I was quite lonely to then going to a place and meeting people who were kind of more interested in sciences and stuff like that, and I was less geeky because they also were passionate about physics and biology and stuff like that I think um that kind of helped me no I mean that that makes so much sense um you know if you've got the backing of your mum and dad behind you I think that's um such a powerful thing um we kind of like you talk about your studies in astrophysics with like with such a breezy tone like did you find it hard? I mean, these are really difficult subjects for anyone, male or female. Like, how how was school for you? Um, I really, like, I really enjoyed um, sciences when I was younger. Um, I don't know. I really enjoyed it. I had a I had a teacher though at college who, or was it secondary school, who said I would never do well in sciences. I guess he also kind of motivated me in the end because he was telling me that I wouldn't do well in uh I think it was in double science so then again that someone else needed to prove wrong um then I went on to do a degree in it so um yeah I I don't know I found it 
really enjoyable the strange thing is I can't really remember my university it Mm. feels like so long ago now um at at the time I loved it um but I went through some family difficulties as well during the studies um so I guess that kind of time that period away uh studying working hard trying to focus on getting my uh, degree and then also stuff happening at home I guess um it didn't make it as enjoyable so I kind of that's why I thought I would like to go towards aviation. Sounds like you might have been an autopilot. <laughs> so, trying to just get through all that. The, the bullying, like maybe some troubles at home. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I mean, since becoming a pilot, I've, I'm, I feel very happy. Um, the last airline I was at before they went into administration, they were great. And I I felt like I finally found my calling in life in the sense that I really enjoyed my job. It wasn't work to me. It was literally go to work, have a great day out because you knew everyone that worked at that company, whoever you were, you're always having a great day out. So it didn't feel like work. It just felt like Mm. going on a flight with your friends and coming back again. So that was, I I think that was when I really felt like really content, like I've, I've done everything followed all the correct paths yeah. and I've done everything that I really enjoy um and I've, I've got to where I need to be in life at the moment until the next step which is uh working towards becoming a captain and then mm. like my next few goals of the future but again with um, my um industry in aviation I know a lot of people say about it's it's a very male orientated job but I'd like to say there's Obviously, there's a large proportion of the cabin crew that are women, and I feel like um, they're often not represented enough either with the amount of responsibility that they actually have to do on their jobs. And when I noticed this, because I obviously made a lot of friends that were cabin crew, and I realised what a divide there was between my salary and their salary, but also the amount of responsibilities they do have and the amount of of pressure and and things that are happening nowadays especially with people becoming more and more drunk on board flights and being Mm. more aggressive and losing their manners as they board I find that quite frustrating for them because some of their salaries don't even warrant enough to get a pension yeah I mean I guess you know for an outsider like me um we think of cabin crew as you know not having to go through the grueling training of you know knowing how to command this gigantic machine um and so you know there's this assumption that they are less crucial to you know the safety of a flight um Mm. yeah i don't that's the that's the perception of um public though which is a shame because they do have quite an intense training they have to learn Mm. quite a lot in a very short period of time and when you've got multi-aircraft airlines so they have different types of aircraft they have to know a lot of knowledge on each of the different types so maybe a Boeing aircraft or an Airbus uh, aircraft they need to know the different types and then they need to know all the first aid procedures and they have to do the fire safety security Mm kind of stuff they're technically the air marshals in the air as well because we don't nowadays because we've had the door shut after 9-11 yeah. we don't really know what's going on in the background unless they tell us yeah and sometimes we've had coming crew come in in tears for the way people have treated them 
Um, we've obviously we've had like people have children or been born on flights and oh they have to act as the midwives that trained in that. Wow. Um, and then if you think about it, in an emergency situation, if we do have to do an emergency landing, we, the pilots in the front, will be doing all the, the shutdown checks and emergency evacuation checks, whereas they'll be kind of guiding and right. telling the passengers what to do in the event of emergency, getting them, guiding them to safety, getting them off safely while we're in the front doing certain checks and stuff. So they do have a higher level responsibility instead of just being a waiter or waitress like a lot of the passengers do treat them like even in the media today you don't see that many female pilot role models you look on a film and you if you say think of a famous um think of a famous film pilot what what would your answer be yeah tom cruise top gun maverick and goose and i think that's still kind of the perception nowadays you're expecting like a brown-haired guy in aviators to get out of a plane <laughs> I mean it was amazing that you pushed through all of that why what was going through your mind when you were pushing through it um I think that my biggest hurdle well my first and biggest hurdle was raising the money to become a pilot so I think that's another reason why not many women go into aviation to become pilots because the training usually costs between 80 to 120,000 pound Gosh. So that's a substantial amount yeah. of money. And unless you've got someone that might be able to, I don't know, remortgage their house for you, and there's still a risk you might not get the job at the end. Um, or we, that's why there's a large um, number of people who their family are already pilots and they can help fund their sons or their daughters into aviation. So it's kind of like a... I don't want to say like a rich kind of profession, but it's kind of, it's seen a bit as an old boy society in a way. Mm, A lot of the pilots have come from pilot families. Yeah. And they're quite privileged. Mm. Um, And then you get a few that scrape through like me who um, have basically saved and worked quite hard for it. And then, uh, so that was the first hurdle. And then during the training as well, I noticed it's not good to stick out. Right. So um, I did have a few disgruntled kind of trainers who didn't seem to like, or I felt like they didn't really like me. They'd kind of single me out during my training. Well, I don't know if it's because I'm female or because um, I've always been like a class representative or a, a company council representative so when they had a problem I I went and spoke to the person for them so that's probably a problem for me where I stand out a bit too much Mm -hmm. and uh, one of the instructors didn't like that and then after that he just tried to make my life a living hell. So I'm getting the impression that you don't want to stand out but just the very nature of who you are makes you stand out. How have you dealt with that dichotomy? Well, I feel like there needs to be a voice um, and there needs to be, like, with industries and within the role of anyone who's female and within a company, they need to have a voice and they need to support each other. Mm. Um, And even now I speak to female colleagues and they tell me of situations that happen 
and I say, well, you need to complain about this or you need to speak out, but they don't want to rock the boat in, in a sense. So I feel like there is this kind of contradiction in a way where we're trying to we're trying to balance gender in a lot of industries nowadays, but people don't want to speak out yeah. because they don't want to be the outsider and they don't want to be the the whistleblower as such. Yeah. And even I'm finding it. I've I've started um, trying to speak to women that are in like higher managerial levels for advice because also I'm I'm quite junior in my career, mm. but I'm hearing of a lot of things, and the only way that there is going to become balance in certain sectors is if there is equality and it's just how to address that. So it sounds like you are prepared to to have your voice heard. Yeah, I was on the company council at one of my airlines um, and I felt encouraged there. There was other strong female representatives in the council and they were very encouraging and they acted like mentors to me so I found that um I found the confidence through learning from them that actually it's good to speak out and it is good to represent people um but I have noticed the differences if you keep your head down and you don't you don't kind of stick out and I've noticed kind of that there is a bit of a I don't know it's not always so good to stand out in the crowd I don't know I don't know how to address that like how to say it well I think it's kind of um it sounds like you're torn between really feeling like you need to uh voice your opinions uh for not just your sake but for the sake of others that are following in your footsteps um but I think you're also aware that it's not going to make you popular necessarily but you, but you seem to be doing it for the good of others, um, and that that is something that, um, first of all, is an amazing quality um, because you're you care about others. Um, but um, it's you know you're not going to necessarily be the good guy as a result of doing it. So that's probably why you're torn. Yeah, I've been um working quite a bit with there's there's a charter that's just been released or it was released uh, at Barnborough International Air Show in July uh, this year and it's basically called the Women in Aviation and Aerospace Charter um and it it's following on from the Women in Finance Charter which was released in the UK um to and it's basically trying to pledge for gender balance across the aviation and aerospace sector um, by trying to increase the number of women or their progression into senior roles. Yeah. Um, and so I'm a big supporter of that. And I've I've been going to like some of their meetings and I've been finding them really interesting. And I've been listening to other women in, in different um, parts of the aviation sector and hearing their stories, which I find fascinating. And hearing that there are different kind of problems in different parts of aviation. Mm. Um, and I feel like because we're quite slow on the uptake of even getting female pilots in at the moment it's going to take quite a while before we even see female pilots going into a more managerial <clears throat> pilot role which is where they can start making the change 
Right. Yeah, it's like a few things need to happen. Yeah, it's a very slow process. And the fact that, I mean, because it's still a very low percentage of women in aviation, I mean, it should be should be 50% by now, shouldn't it? Yeah. Like really, realistically in life. I think even my local bus service has more women drivers. I, I'm like, it's got to the point where I'm not surprised that is a woman bus driver anymore, which is great. Yeah. And I feel like that should be the same on aeroplanes. But people are still getting on board and going, oh, my God, it's a woman. Um, and I still haven't flown with another female. So I haven't flown in a full female cockpit yet or flight deck. Um, and to see change. I mean, is that likely? Well, I'd like it to be. I mean, in certain airlines, there there is a larger percentage of women in both captain and uh, first officer roles. But it's quite rare. How long did it take you to train where you could be in the cockpit? Um, so the full training I did, so there's a few different routes into aviation or to get your commercial pilot's license. Um, my training was integrated, so it was like a non-stop course, and it took about 18 months. So courses can take 18 months to about two years. Um, and that's basically you do all the theoretical exams first, then you do your visual flying, which is where you learn how to fly the aircraft, go solo, do a navigation kind of uh, flying, and then you do your instrument flying, um, which kind of relates to how you'll fly um, commercially. And then you do multi-engine, mm-hmm. so more than one engine. And then you go on to do a um, jet orientation course. So that's um, learning how to work in multi-crew operations on jet aircraft because it's slightly different to propeller aircraft and then you do yeah a further month or so training on the certain type that you go on so I think that takes about 18 months to two years so basically within uh two years let's say and between 80 and 120 thousand pounds you could be flying commercial jets yep. theoretically That's correct. gosh okay so so women Women, because this is the first time I'm hearing this, and as a woman myself, I would have thought it would take years and years and years and hours, like like just years and so much money to get to a point where you're actually in command of a plane. Well, it's lots of money. (laughs) You got that correct. (laughs) Um, Right. (laughs) Okay. It could be. Yeah, part of it's true. It could take years too in the sense that if if you were to try and do it cheaper so there's another uh, route which is it's called a modular route and it will cost between I guess 40,000 to 80,000 pound and that's basically um instead of it being so intense it's basically doing your your ground exams first so you've got 14 air air transport pilots license exams um which are like meteorology Mm -hmm. general aircraft knowledge um communications navigation things like that and then you do your lessons like your flying lessons individually so you're paying to rent the aircraft and to get your hours up that way and it does work out quite a lot cheaper but certain airlines don't hire you if you go modulely they prefer you to have gone through the intensive kind of route I think really the point of this discussion is that it's not impossible for women to be pilots definitely not because I think what 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 puts women off is this perceived um, investment of time that you have to put in in order to become a pilot. And I honestly, I've never really thought about 
the whole process. But my general assumption is that it will take decades before you're actually able to fly a plane. And as a woman, you know, there are lots of other things we want to be doing, like maybe having families and things. And so it just doesn't seem like a good career choice for a woman. I like it. Yeah, I see that perception too. Um, but airlines are very good nowadays for um, if you do decide to have a family or to have children. Um, and that's another part of that women in aviation aerospace charter. They're trying to work on gender balance for both male and female pilots to get equal amounts of uh, maternity or paternity leave off to help mm. balance that kind of parenting. Um I think, yeah, part of it's the money, the the idea that is a male's role. Um, we're not seeing enough women uh, or female pilots in the media. Uh, there's no adverts, really. It's usually kind of even Ray-Ban adverts are usually um, a guy flying instead of like a female yeah. pilot. There's a set kind of female pilot image as well. There is a certain kind of... Um, What's the image? <laughs> um, they're all quite skinny blonde girls I guess for the male pilots it's usually a, a white brown haired guy in aviators I would say I don't know what the equivalent female would be because um, I just don't ever see women flying planes yeah it's true I've only seen um, in, in the movies I think the only two females I've ever seen flying something were Michelle Rodriguez in uh, Avatar flying that helicopter thing and uh, I watched, was it Thor Ragnarok? And there was a, a pretty cool pilot, but she was drunk most of the time. So she's probably not very cool flying a helicopter yeah. as well. Yeah. Where do you fit in terms of the stereotype? Like, you know, on most of my podcasts, I've asked women, what does having it all mean to you? So, you know, where do you, first of all, what does having it all mean to you? Ooh. I think if um I think it, I wouldn't want to have reached all my goals firstly um because I feel like goals kind of motivate me so mm. I think having it all for my for how I would perceive it is to be firstly really comfortable with myself and I think that's something I've I have done over years of having grown up from bullying and people telling me I can't do something but actually becoming comfortable in my own skin and being like actually I can do anything I can achieve it if I if I put my brain to it mm. um I like having some form of motivation so I think I'd, I will always have a few goals in my mind I don't know just in a happiness I guess yeah but like in a in a like on a practical level like um would you be happy continuing to fly commercial planes and never getting to space for example or will you only feel like you've got it all when you finally end up you know in space I think for me um I I was really motivated into flying and going into space for a long time and that was my main goal but now that I'm seeing that there are issues with gender equality and there are certain weaknesses in the sector I'm in in aviation I, I feel that actually maybe I've kind of been led into this industry to try and help with gender equality. Um, I'd like, in the end, I'd like to get myself into a position where I am able to make a change and help inspire and bring up um, 
like bring the numbers up to 50%. I'd like to be able to speak out for the people who are having injustices in, in this industry. And I'd like to be able to speak out without implications. And I like to just kind of balance the field, I think. Yeah. So I think, I think kind of that would make me happy to, to know I've made a difference and actually help people. And I'd like to kind of support more people from normal backgrounds and from different cultural backgrounds into considering careers in aviation because I feel like there's a lot of minorities that aren't represented in aviation or as pilots at the moment so that's something I'm very passionate about um, because you've got the minority of the fact that there's not enough women firstly but then you don't have any women from different cultures especially in the UK um, industry of aviation at the moment so everyone's um I, I believe that you need to kind of um balance firstly the the minority of women to male ratio and then we need to kind of work towards getting more women from different cultural backgrounds and economic backgrounds into aviation because I think anyone if you go to speak to children all children would find being a pilot a fascinating job but most of them are put off straight away or their families put them off saying well we're never going to be able to afford that mm. or do you see anyone that looks like you in that in yeah on tv that's the pilot and I think that needs to change I think everyone should be able to go for the jobs that they would like to do in the future because there's nothing there's nothing overly special about being a pilot I think you obviously you invest a lot of money you work really hard um it's a lot of learning it's the ability to stay calm in, in stressful situations. There is an element of maths and science there, but it's not overly complicated. It's mathematics, like multiplication, um, working out like wind speeds and stuff based on the direction. Um, so it's angle, like trigonometry, mm -hmm. some multiplication. Um, yeah, basic timetable and addition, really. Um, it's not overly complicated maths. And then the physics is just understanding like why planes fly and like like the lift drag stuff like that it's 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 not difficult but I think there's been a like an overall perception by the public where they think it's a really difficult scary job and you have to be really really intelligent to do it and I've met people that I don't think are highly intelligent but they've managed to get the job Yeah, a lot of people on my mechanical engineering course went off to become pilots. Um, and it was this uh, assumption that, you know, you ha having a degree in mechanical engineering or any kind of sort of like physics, maths type degree was going to give you a better chance of becoming a pilot. There is this assumption that, you know, you have to be highly intelligent on top of like hours and hours and hours of pilot training in the air um, to become a natural pilot? I think there's a, a partly it's aptitude as well, your hand-eye coordination skills. And uh, this is something that I promote as well when I do outreach or talk to kids is um, play video games. Mm, yeah. Because video games, especially the shooty ones, they're the best for hand-eye coordination. And I think that's another thing maybe girls get put off by the initial um, entry tests for uh, flight schools because they do certain tests like hand-eye coordination and looking at shapes and mm. multitasking and maybe they 
they're not as fast as some of the guys that might sit there and play right. FIFA all day. Yeah. And what about the sort of like fundamental gift we've been given as women to have children? Like, do you aspire to have a family or like, what about that aspect of your life? Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm, I'm planning to have children. I'd love to have some kids in the future. I don't know whether I'm going to have them myself or adopt, but that's personal mm. choice. Um, not because I can't. Um, but I, I see no reason why you wouldn't be able to have a family. I, one of my really good friends has just had a baby. Um, the thing is, once you once you start flying, as soon as you, well, when you're flying, as soon as you find out you're pregnant, that's when you're essentially grounded. So um, that is when you spend some time on the ground. Sounds like a punishment. I know. It feels like it. If you have an ear infection, you get grounded. Um, it, and I feel like it's like taking the wings away from a bird. It's, it is a bit like punishment. My friend didn't really enjoy it, but she was uh, in the office. So they usually do find you tasks. It's the same with cabin crew. If they get pregnant, um, there's usually an office job that you can help out with mm. um, at the airline. And then you can have your, your baby, have maternity leave, and then uh, you just need a few checks in the sim before you get back up in the air. Yeah. So it is possible. I know another pilot, she's just she's had two babies oh. in the last uh, few years. So she's she's going for it. She's happy. Okay, so it's a perfectly compatible career to have yeah. with motherhood. Yeah, so it's, it's great because there's obviously a drive to increase the number of women into aviation. They've really looked at maternity leave and... Um, that's not something that really affects you as a pilot. If you would like to have a family, you can still have a family. Just in the conversation we've been having, like I feel like I have a lot of preconceived ideas about aviation and its lack of compatibility for women. Um, but actually, you're, you, you've come along and you're like, no, women can, you know, don't need to have years of training um it's you know relatively short space of time I mean it's less than a degree's length yeah exactly and in fact a lot of people nowadays or when I went to pilot school um a lot of people were choosing to go straight into pilot school instead of university mm. so that's a new that's a new option with this generation um it's become quite a economic kind of industry in pilot schools there's a, quite a lot of uh, pilot schools that have been set up especially in the UK and uh, I called it a bit like a sausage factory they're, they're churning pilots through now because it's quite a good um, number everyone uh, not everyone lots of people would like to be pilots if they can get the money together they'll put you through the school um, there is there is a small percentage that don't make the grade but people are going straight into pilot school now and learning and instead of choosing to go to university because fees have increased at universities now and instead of paying nine thousand pound minimum a year on your on your studies you could put that towards your pilot school and come out with a job at the end what is life actually like for you then on a day-to-day -day basis doing the job that you're doing like do you get much time to connect with friends and things like that um yeah so there's um there are some other conceptions of pilot jobs that I guess um I guess some of my friends when they joined they didn't realize what a pilot's life would actually be like um you've got the short haul pilot's life which may do short flights there and back every day so you might be based uh say for example in Gatwick and you fly people maybe to 
Paris for the day yeah. and then you might fly back to Gatwick to bring those back mm-hmm. and then you might fly to Germany and you fly back again so you could do multi-sector days or just there and back days which is you fly there you've got 15 minutes on the ground but you don't have the 15 minutes to go and walk around and enjoy the weather and all of that you literally have to get the fuel on check all the bags are going off walk around the plane set it up for the return leg put all the routing in and then the passengers are starting to board within 25 minutes before departure. So it's quite a quick turnaround and that could be quite tiring. So you get home yeah. having done four flights in, in a day or two flights in a day. When you do mm-hmm. a long haul, um, you're often flying through the night and that's for long hours. And then you're flying over quite a lot of time zones as well. So you're more susceptible to jet lag um, and you either get maybe 24 hours or 48 hours in those destinations some airlines you're lucky you get quite a few days there instead so then you can look around and then you come back and then you have um a few rest days before the next trip which sounds really great um in regards you love traveling yeah that i mean long haul sounds great but (laughs) with um the pilot's life um that seems to have changed a lot from um well, when when I flew with a lot of captains who've been in the industry for a long time, they they often complain that it's not like the good old days. Um, and these are the days where they had cheese boards and landing drinks. <laughs> but um, apparently, yeah, apparently before it used to be a lot more mm-hmm. fun um, with a lot more time down route and a lot more fun going out with the crew and drinking and stuff. And now, obviously, with like the European laws and stuff, it's got a lot more strict. And with businesses trying to save yeah. money, they're quick on the turnaround to get you home. Um, in social life kind of way, um, I think because I worked in the security industry, it really set me up for um, shift work right. and not having that great social life. But for some of my friends, they really struggled with it. So one of my best friends, he... He didn't realise what it'd be like. He he phoned me and he basically said, oh, I didn't realise I'm going to be working night shifts, like night flights quite a lot, or I'm knackered from today. Um, working five days in a row continuously is really tiring mm. on the body. So um, I always tell people to drink a lot of water <laughs> because the, the cabin's very dehydrating. Yeah. I think I saw something recently which said that the... Um, the cabins like the Sahara Desert in dryness. Um, so you need to constantly keep rehydrating. I've dropped a bottle of water on myself before and it's just dried up, evaporated. Within within minutes, um, isn't it? Or... Within minutes, literally. It's, it's so yeah. dehydrating in the cabin and then obviously crossing time zones and then there's, like, you've got the UV radiation from the sun. So um, we've got, like, sun blinds but sometimes the sun is really bright, um, constantly moisturising. So that kind of stuff can be quite fatiguing yeah. to the body. And um, you do notice it. Like um, my flatmate, she she didn't get why I was always uh, sleeping all the time. I was yeah. knackered. <laughs> and um, I said, oh, you should get a job at this cabin crew. And she did. And she realised how tiring aviation yeah. actually is. It's... Um, it's it's really tiring at the beginning i think the first year is probably the most tiring because you're getting used to it um 
and then after that it gets better but yeah there is the case that most of my friends are going out on the weekend and they're saying hey do you want to go out to a party and I'm like I can't because Friday Saturday and Sunday are the main days I get rostered whereas I might get like a random Tuesday and a Wednesday off and it's a weekday for for them so they can't meet up with me or from from what I'm getting from you like you really are doing this job for the love of flying and seeing the earth from that kind of perspective and you know it sounds like you were really talented in STEM subjects and you found it kind of easy and you've you're you're just living out your dream essentially yeah absolutely I love it um I mean there's upsides and downsides to aviation um but the upsides definitely outweigh the downsides like the people I meet can be absolutely amazing. Um, you just you kind of share a journey with someone and a different view every time, and you have different kind of variables every flight. Like different situations occur each time. No day is the same, basically. Mm-hmm. And when I'm sitting there with my cup of tea or my lunch, and I'm looking out the window and I'm viewing, I don't know, the Alps yeah. at thirty-seven thousand feet in the air, I'm thinking, wow, like this is definitely an amazing job yeah I feel like I wish I could make the windows bigger out for the passengers because I think that's why a lot of uh, passengers are scared of flying because they can't see what's going on and I think if they could see the view some some of them would be really happy yeah I always get a window seat (laughs) purely for that to think of to think that you chose it as a career is really inspiring to me because you really have pushed through a lot of antagonism both kind of when you were young and just generally women in aviation seem to not really have people on their side and I'm just so in awe of the fact that you have pushed through through it anyway and I wonder if you're even aware of that side of you that just just pushes through. I like that uh, term, uh, just keep swimming, from Finding Nemo. Right. <laughs> so I think that's kind of my, my day-to-day motto. <laughs> but uh, no, I'm in seriousness. Um, yeah, like, firstly, you need to come on a flight with me. I would love that. Oh, my God. I, I'd love, I have... Yeah, I'd love to have you on a flight deck so you could actually uh, see what I see. Ah, oh, audience, I swear if this happens, I will definitely share the experience with you. From where I'm standing, I see a woman who um, wasn't swayed by other people's opinions of her um, and other people's expectations. You just did what you wanted to do and you had the support of your parents backing you up. Like, maybe that's really just, you know, all it took to to gain the strength and courage to to realise your dream. I think, yeah, I think... um... I just strength's big. I, I feel like you have one life, so you should kind of use it and try out anything that takes your fancy. Like if you are interested in it, go learn about it. Or if you see something and that kind of excites you, you think, "Oh, that looks fun!" Like why not give it a go? And I, I've done a lot of that. I've I've had a lot of random jobs along my path, but I've always kind of had that space dream in my in my mind mm. I've never kind of deterred from it I've I've done a lot of different random jobs on the way 
Um, and yeah, my parents just taught me the value of education. They said, like, you get your you get your GCSEs, your A levels, that will set you up for the future for whatever you want to do. Mm. So just work towards that, and it really has, because I feel like even if I didn't want to pursue a degree in science or anything, my because I had my backbone which was basically my education my qualifications I could have gone or it has helped me get other jobs and I I feel like when I see um when I visit schools now and it's their final year it's like just put your heart into this last year go and get those grades because that will set you up for the future yeah because the people that don't get their GCSE struggle a bit more in life they're gonna have to probably go back and study them again in the in the future and that's not gonna help them because they're gonna have to go back and do it again if you can get your grades when you can get them and then you can have some time off you can go traveling you can do whatever you want but you've got that as your kind of backbone to help you for your future yeah so I think that's really helped and I did have um I did have some great friends or do have some great friends along the way who I always said I'm gonna be an astronaut I'm gonna be a pilot and um they were supportive because they they let me sleep on their sofas and stuff to save money to get to the places i was working they were great Mm -hmm. like that and they're really proud of me now and they still say i remember when you were saying when you were like 17 i'm gonna be a pilot or whatever and you have done it and they're all really proud of me and it makes me feel really good yeah i mean it's you're you're doing it you're actually living out your dream and you're not letting anyone get in your way and I completely agree with you education is uh, fundamental in building your dreams it's the foundation Um, and the great thing about education is even though it can be really hard work and really grueling to to get that education once you have it no one can take it away from you exactly I agree it's been absolutely amazing having you on the show thank you so much for busting through a whole load of misconceptions about women in aviation. Um, it's, uh, gosh, I, I'm kind of embarrassed of how how differently I've perceived your world. And I'm really grateful for you um, talking about what it's actually like. So thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. That's it from my STEM guest this week. Um, wow. It's so amazing to listen to someone who had a very focused goal and is sticking with it, despite all the apparent distractions of, you know, working different jobs and going in seemingly different directions. But, you know, in hearing her story, she's always stayed focused on a path. And I don't know about you there in the audience, but I get the sense that her goal maybe shifting slightly and her purpose of being here may not just be to get to space but also to inspire so many women along the way to realize their own dreams no matter what people think of them thank you so much for listening to silence this week don't forget to subscribe and do leave comments and reviews if you can catch you next week on silence